Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. How's it going? And welcome to another edition of Pat's Chat. Um, last year we had this special guest on well, under the old moniker of Patriots Nation UK, but you know the man himself isn't ashamed to do a rebrand now and again. It is, of course, the man himself from the Nat Coombs show, Nat Coombs. How's it going, Nat? Very good indeed, man. Good to, good to be on. Yeah, excellent. Well, th- thanks very much for sparing the time this morning um, as we record. And um, yeah, Thank you very much. But more importantly, when are you getting your dancing shoes on? I know, gutted I didn't get get that call, to be honest. I mean, I was expecting it. Uh, you know, my agent had been in extensive talks with the Strictly crew. I think everybody in the NFL UK <clears throat> community knows that there are certain people that can cut some moves on the dance floor. Jay Belly is one of them, to be fair. Um, I can testify that OC Yumanura has some moves. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But the... Um, the the real sneaky pick uh, in terms of that would be Iron Mike Carlson. I mean, when you get a few Sambucas in Carlson uh, and, and you get some uh, some Bee Gees or John Travolta on, I'll tell you what, the rest is history. Saturday Night Fever, eat your heart out, is it? <laughs> I do remember once, actually, Carlson and I were doing a game in uh, New Orleans. It was a Monday night football game, and this must have been the second year of me presenting it back in the day on channel five so we're going back over over 10 years right and we ended up down on bourbon street as you as you would uh any self-respecting visitor to uh, to new orleans would although it is um an interesting place uh bourbon street uh, anyway we ended up in a karaoke dive bar and carlson and i had had one or two Dixie beers, should we say, and uh, ended up on stage singing, which the guys recorded. I think it actually ended up in in the show at some point. Um, Mustang Sally, which okay. um, was uh, you've probably seen the commitments and the, the version there had yep. nothing on 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 the Carlson and Coombs uh, version of Mustang Sally all those years ago. So uh, yeah, I can not only is he a decent dancer, he's got some pipes on him as well. <laughs> well, that's uh, that story certainly woke me up this morning. I've needed a a coffee or two. I'm I'm sure you might be something similar after um, last night. Did you stay up and watch it? Big time. Yeah, well, I did. And then I did the I did the classic. I stayed up. I uh, thought I'll watch the first half, uh, and then I watched because I've got you know a lot on, and it's easier said than done, right? To start for every late night game, but it's the start of the season. We've missed it. So I've got to stay up. So stayed up, watched the first half, and then I'll. Um, and then I'll catch up with the second half in the morning. And it didn't quite work out of that. So I kind of then started going through uh, that. What if you've ever had that sort of, if you do stay up, maybe to half time, I then put the audio on my headphones via, you know, my phone. So I'll just listen to it. I'll just drift off listening to it. And of course, that just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. Well, that does take me back to the good old days of American uh, Forces Network. Um so I kind of just, yeah, fever dream in and out of the of the second the second half, and then and then caught up this morning. So I mean, yeah, and unsurprisingly impressive stuff. I think Greg Rosenthal uh, 
nailed it perfectly saying that the Chiefs weren't even that fluent by their standards offensively and they're putting up that kind of that those number of points and that kind of performance I mean that's terrifying well I've uh, I done something similar to yourself I ended up I watched the probably about the first quarter well mm. certainly the first couple of touchdowns and then I turned the tally off and did something so I jumped I got a cheap VPN on my phone and I actually managed to find a, a Texans radio network mm. to listen to it and yeah, unlike yourself, I actually drifted off to sleep before the, the first half ended, thankfully. So I, I got a little more spring in yourself. You got a bit I more think. spring in your step than I, yeah, I know. That's smart placing as I'm starting, uh, you know, my first talk sport uh, show of uh, of the season on Sunday, the, the talk sport two show we do, which covers all the games from, from five o'clock with all the build up on, on Sunday nights. Um, first one this Sunday, uh, I've got a pod to record this afternoon. So yeah, um, not the smartest move, but there you go. <laughs> there you go. Busy. But it was, um, yeah, busy with that, but it was, um, it was interesting, wasn't it, that it started started obviously so promisingly for the for the Texans and uh, all the things we suspected are there, you know, the the Hopkins absence. And that is interesting when you look now at his deal. And I think Collinsworth made this point on the broadcast. You know, look at the deal he's just done. Obviously, the Sean Watson's deal in the last week or so. I, the money, I just the numbers stacked up. I, don't, I, I never thought it was as clear cut as it appeared. In terms of the deal that they that they did, and Bill O'Brien has had so much criticism for it, it, it always struck me as there's, there's more to this than meets the eye. Nobody is going to be that uh, as stupid as people are suggesting he had been, unless you know, did they fall out? Was there an issue? But it looks like it, you know, as is often the way it comes down to numbers. Now I know that Texans fans and and, and Hopkins apologists, of which there are many, will say, well, you just find the deal, you get it done, right? How can the Cowboys keep Amari Cooper and Zeke and well, but they haven't done the deal with Dak yet. And so I, I, I think it's complicated. They're clearly going to miss him, as we suspected, and then some. However, on a bright side for the Texans, David Johnson looked good. I mean, you know, for everyone saying as part of this deal, they got a second round pick and him. He's washed up, isn't he? Well, he was averaging seven a carry, had over 100 yards. Um, so on the bright side for Houston, you did, surely didn't expect to win that game. You weren't as competitive as you could have been. But ah, tough run in there. You got what, Baltimore next week. And then, uh, you know, and then I think a couple of other tricky games straight after that. So that's the danger, isn't it? You start the season, you're suddenly 0-3. It's like, oh boy, this uh, this is not going to plan. So it's going to be a hard year, I think, for, for Houston for those reasons. But um, yeah, some some positives, some positives. Yeah, I think you're right enough. And uh, speaking of hard years, um, we could talk the Texans-Chiefs game all night, but we're not here to do that. We're here to preview um, Sunday's uh, match-up between the Patriots and Dolphins. Of course, you're a huge Dolphins fan yourself. How do you think it panned out last year? You know, you got rid of um, Kenyon Drake, who at the time didn't maybe look the best. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was traded away for a first-round pick. The tank for Tua was on, and then suddenly Brian Flores seems to rip up that whole script and say, no, we're actually going to start playing some ball this year. Um, but you ended up with him anyway. Do you Was Tua the one that you had your eye on going into the draft um, before the se- last season started and then after, or would you have preferred just to completely tank and maybe end up with uh, Joe Burrow instead? Well, I, if you'd asked me that this time last year, I, I wouldn't have even registered Joe Burrow as a, you know, a top five pick. I don't think anyone had him on, on their boards, um, maybe even in the first round. Right. So Ben Isaacs, who's a, you know, a regular on our ESPN show 
our ESPN pod uh, and covers college as well as NFL and watches a lot of tape said, you know, he borrowed and as we know the extraordinary season he had, but he really just sh- shot up the boards because of what was going on. So a year ago, I would have definitely said to her, but also now or you know, when the draft happened, I would have said to her as well. And look, Burrow looks the real deal. And by all accounts, he is one of those players in the, the mold of, of say an Andrew Luck in the sense that there, it seems to be relative surety that he's going to be a, uh, a, you know, a, a serious pro for years. And even if he doesn't live up to luck standards and is more of a, well, actually this is maybe hard on Stafford, but you know, that kind of Matt Stafford level, um, even Sam Bradford, I mean, Bradford had a serviceable career, right. For 10 odd years with a lot of adversity as opposed to like, um, you know, a, a Blaine Gabbert or, uh, you know, insert first round pick bust here. Right. So I, I think, I think the Bengals have, made the right call there having said that i think so have the dolphins you know i i love the fact that tua has a tremendous upside um in terms of the type of player that he is and, and what he can potentially bring to, to the offense we had the luxury of, of three picks and i do wonder what might have happened if we hadn't and we had say just the one right um would we have still gone with two i think we probably would and i think it would have been the right decision um so, yeah, very excited about that. I was really, really skeptical this time last year with the Dolphins game plan because I get that if you are in transition, you're rebuilding, then you've got to use your assets to, to accumulate those picks or uh, to free up the money to spend on that rehabilitation. But I do think there has to be a balance there. And I felt at the time that the Dolphins had not found that balance minka in particular i was gutted about he's such a great player and so versatile so in in the evolving nfl defensive scheming where you've got a player you know kind of like isaiah simmons coming in you know to the draft that is can play in multiple different positions then that's a huge asset if they're an elite player and, and minka obviously can mix it up in the secondary so I was gutted about that Tunsil as well. It's like, well, if you're trying to build a, a, a franchise for the next 10 years, surely, you know, a lineman, a lineman, offensive lineman and, uh, a, and a fundamental part of the secondary, they seem to me like key pieces. Like why are we getting rid of them? They're young. It's not the crazy contracts that they're on. Like what's the, what's the rationale there? So I wasn't buying it, but as, as I will always uh, always maintain and and this even refers back to, to to bill o'brien and the texans it definitely refers to amari cooper i was a big fan of that deal and everyone was slagging that deal off <laughs> oh the hell are they doing and hey look i'm not saying i am right every time about it but my point was well look if he makes them demonstrably that much better then just just hold fire him and, and he and he really has right so in that respect, I hold my hands up and say I was wrong about the, what the Dolphins are doing. We are, I think, as a roster now, demonstrably a lot better than we were a year ago. And if that meant we had to sacrifice Minka and, and, and Tunsil to do that, then then the front office have played a, played a blind. And now the proof will be in the pudding. If we go 4-12 and 12 and it's an abject season, then mm, concerning signs. But I don't think we will. And I think it will turn out to be the right right decision. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of interesting points you make there, Nat. And 
since you're coming up against the Patriots, so it's uh, jokingly, it's Patriots A versus Patriots B, maybe because of the <laughs> the, yeah. people, the players that you've picked up um, recently, especially. I wrote a piece for NFL Scotland, which you were a part of their um, preview pod a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I was. Um, you know, if you've not listened to that, go back and listen to that and the guys um, talk about the the Dolphins, Patriots, and AFC East in general. Um, but I wrote a piece this week for them previewing this matchup um, on Sunday. And, you know, I think that could play a sneakily huge part in Brian Flores obviously being an ex-coach and he's got all the ex-Patriots players. Um, there is the the obvious Cam Newton and the lack of game tape, lack of preseason to look towards. However, as I say, sneakily, I think that, you know, having those... Um, players in the building like Kyle Van Noy, like Alandon Roberts, will possibly make this a lot more closer than what people might want to think. Um, I just wanted to get your take on it. Well, what's your thoughts? It's a great point. I, I think it's really underestimated um, that side of things. That if there are, you know, a number of players' familiarity with the organisation you're playing against recently, of course, and in this case, that is that is the case. That uh, then it then it clearly is an advantage. I think. The demise of the Patriots that has been hyped up is a little, little uh, too quick for comfort in that I don't feel that there is clear evidence the Patriots are going to struggle this season yet. If there is a, if there's an organization and particularly a coaching nucleus that I would feel confident in shutting the critics up, taking a collection of on-paper players that don't look particularly remarkable and making them competitive, then it is Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I mean, it's astonishing that people would say, oh, the Patriots are going to be 5-11. and You know, now maybe, maybe the wheels come off and it is horrendous. And I guess we'll, we'll learn a lot, even in this, covid affected season when it's everyone's going to get a bit of a pass for a while although it didn't seem to affect particularly the chiefs last night um you know early on that maybe the fluency without preseason games with the fractious off season then it might take teams a little while to warm up and, and as we know the patriots get better as the season goes on most of the time right yes there are a fundamental lack of offensive pieces but that's offset with a different offense uh, with Cam Newton, who is, if if he's fit and if he's back to Cam from a few years back, uh, an absolute playmaker, right? So, uh, you know, in the same mold as Russell Wilson, Eve Aaron Rodgers, albeit all three of them very different quarterbacks in many respects. Um, Mahomes, obviously, Lamar. These are quarterbacks that can make something happen. Roethlisberger as well, in his way, make something happen when uh, doesn't necessarily have a huge amount of talent around or despite that uh, and on a micro level the the play is broken down but they will keep it alive and, and keep it going and, and get something happening well cam absolutely is that player right we know he can we've seen him in his mvp season how he's able to do that so that dynamism that is there uh, i think is not to be underestimated particularly with mcdaniels one of the great offensive schemers of his generation right he's gonna they're gonna have lots of be dialing up all kinds of trick stuff so I think the Patriots are going to be better and more competitive than many people are suggesting. 
the Dolphins absolutely love this idea of bringing in winners that are associated with the Patriots. Now, that's always a risky one, right? Because particularly we've seen when other teams have done it and, and you know, Matt Patricia's trying to do the same thing in Detroit. Ex-Belichick alumni who try and copy what Belichick does. I don't know how realistic that is. You've got to be your own man and create your own identity and that's a difficult balance to strike because you there is such a clear patriot way and a way of doing it in the same way there was with bill walsh and the 49ers back in the day there is and and if you look at any organization in any sport that is successful that is a fundamental there is a very deep seated thorough clear approach to how we do things so on the one hand of course you're going to want to replicate that principle and probably borrow a lot from what makes up that patriot way but I don't, it's impossible to replicate so what flores is trying to do i think is the right path which is say i'm going to take leaders from that locker room a winning mentality we need winning mentalities around us veterans that i know so guys i know are going to be good pros as i'm building a young a new team all of that makes a, makes a lot of sense to me. So I like the Patriot steals <laughs> from Flores. Uh, I just don't think he should try and be Belichick Mark II because nobody can be. But I don't think he is trying to do that. No, I don't think so. And I think it's to liken it to European football. Uh, mm. I've said it numerous times that um, Bill Belichick and Sir Alex Ferguson are very, very similar in my opinion. Very of, much so. It's a great point. Styles and such like, and you can see the the players or ex-players under Fergie, the likes of Mark Hughes and Steve Bruce at all, that have gone elsewhere, tried this um, sort of Fergie way, if you will, and you know Patricia's trying it. Um, I think Flores will be more successful at trying something because. He seems to be more willing to make his own mark on things, whereas it seems Patricia wants to just, you know, basically take that blueprint and shove it in Detroit. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And mm. maybe that's what McDaniels tried to do in Denver all those years ago before he came back to what he, he knows best. And that has been the coordinator. And we might see him move on to a head, co- head coaching role eventually. But yeah, I think, I think you're right that, you know, Flores is putting his own twist on things, if you will, and having these types of players around him that he trusts and he knows, as you say, to build up this young team is the way forward. And it'll be interesting to see how how they pan out across the, the season. And mm. with with that, Nat, um, as I said before, if you've not listened, Nat and the guys speak very well about the AFC's preview for the NFL Scotland pod. But in case you don't have the time or whatever, um, to listen to that just now as we head towards Sunday. Nat, what's your thoughts going forward overall of the season? Do you think there'll be a, an 8-8 eight and eight team or, or they're about the 500 mark? or The Dolphins. Yes, the Dolphins, yeah. Yes, I think that would be a good season. Uh, sometimes records are deceptive, right? You know, I'd rather have a 6-10 and 10 season where those six wins came in the last eight games of the season and there are a lot of close games outside of that one score games and we were playing well in most of the games as opposed to an 8-8 season when <laughs> none of the above, right? That it was lucky, abject, all of those things and not really convinced. And 
in many respects, I guess that's what last season was about, not, not those records, but uh, we were a team that were competitive a lot of the time when, and the, the expectation levels were so low and we surpassed them. So this year, yeah, I think eight and eight would be good. I think the playoffs would be, of course, would be incredible. No one realistically is expecting that. But hey, if we're suddenly, you know, six and three and it's on, then great. What, you know, why not dream a bit big? But eight and eight and good, clear development in the areas of, of the field that we need to. I mean, the running game, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of upside there potentially, but there is risk with both Matt Breeder and, and Jordan Howard. But, you know, it is, does Howard still have it? Is Matt Breeder going to stay fit? But if we can get a decent running game going, I mean, last season, I think Fitz was our leading rusher. I think that's right. <laughs> it kind of tells you everything you need to know there. There, So we need to sort that out. We obviously need to bring Tour in at some point, I think. But sit him for most of the season, as far as I'm concerned, and let him watch and learn. And, and when wheel him in for four, five, six weeks would make a lot of sense. So eight and eight, I think, yeah, is a good is a good return. I think you're right. I think eight and eight would be great. I think I put them at um, six and ten or seven yeah. thereabouts. Um, as you say, as long as you can see progress, I think it's what a lot of Dolphins fans are looking for this year. That yeah, the the Chargers were much maligned last year for being within one score in a lot of their games. But I think uh, um, outside looking in on Dolphins fans, I think they would take that a lot of the time being mm. competitive shown improvement as the year goes on and then as you say as we head towards Christmas after Halloween and Thanksgiving that you might see Tua for the last four or six games maybe and let's you know get him on the field and and see how he he performs really I guess but um, yeah so anyway I know you're short on time this morning that so I'll let you go but just beforehand uh, I'd like to give you the floor to plug the pod plug TalkSport again and such like as uh, um, whatever you're working on for the season, go for it. Oh, thanks, man. So, yes, well, TalkSport, uh, every Sunday through the season, uh, we are on air from five o'clock uh, all across the game. So whether you have Game Pass or access to uh, the coverage in one way or another, it's a good compliment, I think, because we have a lot of special guests on there uh, and are just zipping around and reacting to what is going on. So... Uh, it's kind of like the soccer Saturday vibe, but but with the NFL on radio. So that's our, our talk sports show. And we'll be uh, doing playoffs in the Super Bowl as well. It was great to be out uh, the last couple of years. I've, I've anchored the Super Bowl for, for talk sports, which has, been, which has been great fun. And then the ESPN show, uh, which uh, we're now rolling into our, our second year with ESPN, which is, which is great. And that is a lot of your old favorites uh, and new favorites, for that matter, from the NFL UK scene alongside me as regulars. So Carlson. Of course, uh, it's a contractual obligation that he, that he uh, is right alongside me. Uh, we have Jay Bell, O.C. Vernon, uh, Neil Reynolds, all the guys that uh, you watch and listen to uh, on the show regularly. Ben Isaac, as I mentioned earlier, he's brilliant. Greg Brady, uh, a lot of you will know, and he's part of our NFL coverage on TalkSport as well. So a really uh, top crew of regulars there, but also being part of the ESPN galaxy, we get a lot of the ESPN US voices on as well and that is everybody from field gates and matthew berry uh my old friends from the fantasy uh fantasy focus show um we uh you name it if, if uh they're an espn us voice they've probably been on the show already or, or are lined up to be on the show at some point so it's a it's a great balance in that respect the show is very much for everyone and what that means is if you are serious long-time football veteran 
some of the names I've just mentioned uh, will uh, hopefully entice you and to get their insight and their take. And there'll be something for you for sure. At the same time, if you're newer to the game, we're not one of those shows that is too cliquey and too exclusive and will lose you with really deep diving X's and O's. It's very much, these are the big stories you need to know. This is our take on it. So we drop three times a week during the season, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, and it's available uh, at all good podcatchers. Excellent stuff, Nat. Well, thank you very much again. And I can testify to both the podcast and the talk sports show. Both are great listens. And thank especially you. I walk, walk the dogs a lot um, in the evenings on Sunday. So you guys are perfect for me. I just stick on talk sport as I walk around with the dogs. And, you know, I, kinda, I don't miss any of the action. So I'd urge anyone who can't sit down in front of the telly, uh, get your Alexa on, get whatever. Um, means you can to listen to Nat and the guys on TalkSport and of course check out the podcast well and yeah thanks thanks for your time this morning Nat and hopefully we'll chat soon again thank you absolute pleasure man get some sleep <laughs> cheers you too well there you have it folks that was the week one preview versus the Dolphins with the man himself Nat Coombs of TalkSport and the Nat Coombs show as I said there be sure to check out anything that Nat does and most of you do and will do especially if you're listening to this from the UK you will know who Nat is he's all over TV radio etc etc him and Iron Mike um, the pair of them are as he said it's a it's pretty much a contractual obligation that they be joined at the hip and work together on whatever it is that Nat does or Mike does you will pretty much find them together so yeah, that was Nat Coombs and the week one preview versus the Dolphins. Be sure to check out myself and Jake early next week for the review show of week one versus the Dolphins. And fingers crossed, we are one and all for the season. Lots of things to talk about, lots of touchdowns. Yeah, let's just steamroll Miami this week. Get the season off to an absolute banger, an absolute flyer. And we'll take it from there. So... Before I go, just the usual housekeeping, rate, review and subscribe. Tell all your friends, etc. Any other Patriots fans that you know, tell us about the tell them about the podcast. And be sure to check out NFLScotland.com. That's where you'll find my written work, as I said. Be sure to check out that season preview show of the AFC East. I've also written an AFC East preview up on nflscotland.com also so be sure to check out that as well please folks thank you very much and so yeah that is our wrap of the short and sweet week one preview against the miami dolphins so until next week see ya enjoy week one on sunday